This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hello, thanks for joining us here on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford with my co-host, Mark Sinell. Hi, Mark. Hello, Carolyn. Good morning. Good morning. Today, um, I'm just going to say we have a badass again. Um, <laughs> our, our guest this morning is Jasmine Furtado, and she is Captain Jasmine Furtado, military officer with the U.S. Space Force and a data science and artificial intelligence leader. Before joining Space Force, Jasmine worked as a military officer for the United States Air Force for over four years. Thank you very much for your service, Jasmine. And, um, well, welcome, Jasmine, first of all. And then I'm, I'm going to read a little disclaimer. So, <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I just want to say that the information expressed in this episode are those of Jasmine, our presenter, and do not necessarily reflect those of the Department of Defense, U.S. Air Force, or U.S. Space Force. So there we go. We're covered legally. None of us will, like get hauled off to jail now. I'll <laughs> so. a good start. All right. Yes. So, so Jasmine, um, talk to us a little bit just about your journey, um, how you started with Air Force, what you did there, and then how you have ended up with U.S. Space Force. Yeah. So I went to the Air Force Academy and graduated there from 2016. Um, I got, I entered because I, the challenge was very enticing to me. I like the idea of being challenged, not just academically, but also militarily and uh, physically. And there was a big focus on leadership that I think is pretty invaluable. And so after I graduated from there, I was able to go to MIT and uh, continue with my degree in operations research. So I got my master's there. And then afterwards, uh, I'm a program manager in the military and the Air Force. And that's a little bit of a different background than most program managers have in the military. So a lot of times you'll have a management background or an economics background, but I had more of a tech background. So I think the military is trying to figure out what to do with me for a little bit. So I, after a year of being in a more traditional program management role, I was pulled into Kessel Run, where I was, and I was there for two years. So I was plopped into that organization to do AI because I had some sort of background. And one thing about this space, and you see this in a lot of things, start of the organizations is like Kessel Run, is that you're kind of just figure things out as you go. You're kind of put there with a very vague job description, and you just have to figure things out. So. I went in there initially with my operations research cap on, knowing stuff about data science, machine learning, and AI, and I was like, this is great. Um, then really quickly realized that that's just like the tip of the iceberg in terms of capabilities that are needed for to, to make AI actually applied. You need to put in, invest in the the other 90% of the iceberg, which is the data infrastructure uh, and that, that architecture piece. So I spent a lot of time, the two years I was at Kessel Run building a data portfolio that consists of people like data scientists uh, and 
software developers and data engineers to build the things for needed for analytics. So that was really the goal there. And when I had the opportunity, when the Space Force was created, I had the opportunity to move over and I put my name in the hat because I really like the idea of space. I've always been inspired by space. I wanted to be an astronaut when I first graduated from high school. And I've been very inspired by Star Trek. I have a little Pez Star Trek thing actually over here <laughs> on my desk to remind me of like where I came from. Star Trek, uh, Kessel Run is a Star Wars theme, but whatever, I will um, forgive them for that. But now Space Force <laughs> was very excited. Um, very, just, it was a, It's just such a inspirational um, place to be. Um, you're, it's like the next frontier. And to be able to influence that branch from the start, I thought it was a really great opportunity. The amount of data that was in, that, that we're developing, that we're gathering from space is also very tremendous. And so uh, there was really no reason for me to say no. So yeah, so that's how I got to Space Force. So I've been here for a couple months and I'm, I'm really like just a sponge gathering a whole, a whole lot of information about our space operations. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. So, yeah. so Jasmine, you you um, you talked a little bit about Kessel Run, where you where you started out in the Air Force. But I don't. Many of our listeners probably won't know what that means. Can you describe a little bit about what that is and, and what Kessel Run actually does? And 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 then, and then we'll talk about the Star Wars. Uh, well, and I just want to say, see, I did introduce Jasmine appropriately as badass. I mean, did you just hear all that, Mark? <laughs> so. I heard that. And I'm one of the ones that doesn't totally under like Kessel Run. I know it's a software factory. I don't even really know what that means. I just know the buzzwords. Right, right. So yeah, software factory is definitely a term that's put out there. Uh, but what Kessel Run is, is a software development organization within the Air Force that develops software for airmen. So it's it's code, it's applications that are built by and coded by government, civilians, military, um, contractors, but they're, it's all government owned. So we own all the applications, we own our own data, but Kesslon doesn't just create the code for the applications, they also build the platform that those applications reside on. So they are responsible for the the different environments, the development environment and the production environment for these applications, the pipelines to deploy these applications to production. They are responsible for the security behind all this. It's a lot. So it's kind of that same analogy of like uh, I said with the iceberg, the applications are really the tip of it. And really a lot of the Kesselron's offerings come from its platform. And that platform is what's given us the ability or given Kesselron the ability to deploy their applications continuously. It's, it's very, very iteratively. Very so much is, is this, is this, is this for military applications and things like that or, or across the whole spectrum? Yeah. Or just on the air force. And is, is there anything on Kessel run platform that is not developed by the air force? Like are there industry applications or code or is it all like homegrown? So the core of Kessel Run is really homegrown. It's building applications for airmen. So airmen such as um, schedulers, 
for there's a the famous tanker planning scheduling tool where you have tankers that need to be scheduled to be flown for different to, for different missions. So there's an application that takes that previous previously manual process of scheduling these aircraft and putting it to the cloud and making it available and for multiple people to collaborate on the same on the same application. And that's a really powerful tool. So it's the tools like that, applications like that, that, uh, that are making the current manual processes, making them digital. So clearing digital parity to a lot of things that are done manually right now. Uh, so it's helping schedulers. Uh, we have Intel analysts, people like maintainers, pilots, you know, those that airmen. Kessel Run's platform, like the all-domain common platform, is used for other applications as well. It is not its core functionality because that's it's really for the Kessel Run applications, but there are other applications, other groups that are government entities that are utilizing it to deploy some of their applications as well. I know Space Force, Kobayashi Maru was, is another quote-unquote software factory, for lack of a better term here, uh, that uses that platform to deploy its products. And their their products, their applications are more space-specific. So space operators, satellite operators. Mm. Uh, it, it seems that Kessel Run has uh, set themselves up to operate and uh, uh, go, go to market, so to speak, as a commercial organization. Um, they have like a CEO, a CFO. Uh, is that a, is yes. that by design, or, or or is that is that is that a cultural um, thing? They definitely is designed to be more disruptor in this space to introduce a new way of acquiring software because Kessel Run is an acquisitions program office, so they're acquiring software. It just happens to be ones that they're building themselves. So we. In the Air Force, I mean, Tesla was put together because there is a thought that we can do software acquisitions better, faster. We don't have to follow this waterfall method. So I think as a result of that idea of we need to go fast, that created the startup mentality, flat organization. That's where this uh, the, these concepts from industry have been brought into the startup world, has been brought into the government space, and that's how you're seeing the different roles or the the parallel roles that you so, don't see traditionally in military units. It almost sounds like Kessel Run was born out of the need for culture change. Like the acquisitions process is a, a painful, painful process, antiquated. And you're telling me that Kessel Run turned that on its head? Did it work? It'll work. <laughs> <laughs> It'll work. I don't know if you could say at the end of the day, has it? It's more of it's. It's a process, right? It's. It's going to take a lot to create change. Uh, the most important thing that Kelsey has contributed is that cultural piece. The the fact that we need to value ideas over rank in acquisitions. I'm very much a proponent of that. We can no longer afford to have to have people at a table and only listen to the highest ranking officers mm -hmm. because we have people with relevant experiences that are coming through the ranks that may be actually more relevant in some cases than people that 
mm-hmm. have come from different backgrounds that have made it to higher ranks in the military. And now we're overseeing a unit that may not be something that they are used to to commanding. It's not a field that they're well-versed in. And we need to be able to listen to all the voices in the room. And that's something that I have really appreciated and really thrived in the military is and having that experience at Kessel Run. I think it's, I've been very fortunate to have that as my military experience because I know that's not the same for everyone. Um, but I think that just speaks to how we need to, the goodness that has been created in Kessel Run needs to be replicated elsewhere. And that's really like, cause as I mentioned before, that cultural shift, that's really where the value proposition in Kessel comes from is this, this lighthouse in a sense of how another way of doing things, creating the documentation, the processes, improving that out so that other units can start to adopt, at least in piecemeal, these different, these different things that make up that Kessel Run culture. Is there an effort to do that? right now to like, to share this, the wisdom of the many, right, is <laughs> yeah. is coming to the table here with Kessel Run. And then the next piece of that, it's it's hard to share something like that and to get it to take in other places, especially where we're so entrenched in the old ways of doing things. So is there a committee, a group that's tasked with sharing these ideas? So I'm not sure if it's a committee so much as the, I mean, the military already has sort of a natural way of sharing knowledge in that its officers, its military members are moving every few years from base to base. And I think that's how a lot of goodness has been spread. A Mm -hmm. lot of the upcoming hubs, these innovation hubs have a lot of its members have come from places like Kessel Run. So mm-hmm. Kobayashi Maru, for example, on the Space Force side, that was really started and put together by a, a core crew of Kessel Run, ex-Kessel Run members. We, say this, we see the same thing over in Colorado Springs uh, with Space Camp, even Platform One, uh, AFWorks, SpaceWorks, all these innovation groups. They, The Air Force is, I, what I've seen recently, I guess in my own my own professional development is that there's kind of two tracks you can go down now. There's like the more traditional track where you're a military member and you're, uh, you have knowledge of a lot of things, but you're really a master of none. But there's also this new track that's forming. That's this digital transformation track where they try to keep these people that have these experience in these hubs and keep them in this space so that they can share that goodness, that digital transformation goodness to other units. Speaking of the digital transformation, I want to shift gears towards AI a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of talk around it. We just had a big report come out about it. And I'm wondering how important it is, what role it's playing in Space Force. Yes. So it's actually, like you were saying, it's, it's been talked about. Um, a lot, a lot of senior leaders, especially in the space force, are talking about how we need to leverage innovation, we need to leverage technologies like artificial intelligence, and we need to we need to take this opportunity in developing a new branch and really just becoming the, the digital leader, like of military. And I think that's that's really something that space force has embodied, uh, and that's a message they're putting out, and it's very exciting. There is so much potential for artificial intelligence, and 
in, in, in Space Force because you think of all of the data that we're gathering on a regular basis every second from all of our space assets. That's a lot of information. <laughs> uh, and so being able to harness the power of that in starting a new branch is kind of like turning a new leaf. It's what really, I think, it, it puts the Space Force in a really great position because we don't need to adopt the the things that were already status quo from the Air Force. We don't need to do that. We can start over again. We can start fresh. And that jumpstart, I think, is a really powerful thing. And not not a lot of branches can say that, oh, we're just going to be able to, you know, starting August, whatever, or whatever this month, this day, we are now looking at everything with a fresh new eyes, looking at everything soup to nuts from with fresh eyes. Not a lot of branches get that. And that's a, that's the reason why I joined, one of the reasons I joined Space Force because of the opportunity. So artificial intelligence and in the Space Force, it's going to be playing a similar role that it does in many other industries in creating more automated ways of doing things, augmented ways of doing things, creating this digital parity to what may be done manually right now. How do we, uh, how do we make our operators' jobs easier because with the proliferation with the increase of space assets that we are now seeing our operators are getting inundated with with things and they can't keep up so how do we make their jobs easier through automation and that's really where the power of ai is going to come in you know a lot of people a lot of people think of the air force as one of the leaders in the digital transformation or technology you know they're being out in front of the, you know, the other branches of the military being innovators in that front. And so it's kind of exciting to hear your thoughts about Space Force and where they're going with that. So, you know, I mean. This is how dumb I am. Is Space Force part of the Air Force? Or is it its own branch? So Space Force is the newest branch, but it's falling under the Air Force. So in the same way that the Marines fall under the Navy, that's how Space Force is falling under Air Force. So Space Force really just was pre, were previous space units within the Air Force, and they just rebranded them to be Space Force units now. And okay. eventually, I imagine, will grow into more in addition to additional units that didn't previously mm. fall under the Air Force. Interesting. I, you know, I know you've only been in Space Force for a short while, but uh, you talk a little bit about the, you, you talk about the collaboration of Kessel Run on the Air Force side and, and bringing industry and government and, and you know, all these different uh, uh, pieces and parts together to collaborate. Uh, how is that, how have you seen that happen in Space Force, the bringing, uh, bringing of industry and government together? So the Air Force has been doing this for a while. I mean, all the services have been doing this for a while. And we're, con it's, uh, we're continuing to try to increase our collaborations with industry. And the things that I've seen a lot in my experience has been, actually, I've actually participated in a fellowship <laughs> with industry. Uh, I was with SpaceX for three months where I worked with them. Oh. I, I needed to learn in this in this Kessel Run role that I was in uh, how to create a data portfolio. I didn't I had no formal experience in being a system architect and understanding, you know, that this 
understanding what role data folks need to play in an organization. So I went to SpaceX to learn how they approach artificial intelligence, what support they have to oversee these types of capabilities, and just overall to get an idea of how their organization culturally approaches data and artificial intelligence. So I gained a lot from that experience. And there's a lot of those smaller scale collaborations where military members are learning from industry and bringing that back and upskilling our own workforce to learn what is the most cutting edge or what's the newest uh, way, newest to do or way to do things, or just to to see another perspective, see another point of view, just to see how another, what another possibility may be to run things. So I think those are really beneficial. We have defense, defense ventures, education with industry, those sorts of things. Uh, but from an industry to government, more from a capability application perspective, that's always been so tricky. And I think that's a topic that's constantly brought up. It's, it's so difficult for some small or small companies to make their way into the government. And that's something that we're going to continue to try to um, better that relationship because there's that whole you know valley of death where you have, we need mm-hmm. to invest in these smaller companies and give them a shot because those are where these non-traditional companies are how we're getting these these cutting edge technologies. But we do need to make these processes more transparent, and it's not just at the to the companies because the companies will do their due diligence of figuring out how they need to make their way and, and utilizing those resources. I've definitely seen that being leveraged quite often by industry. What I think we need to spend more time in is in educating our military members and our government members on that process, because not everyone is aware of Zibbers, or if someone were to go and approach them, be like, hey, my technology may be valuable for your use case. Most people don't know where to point them or where they are in the process. They, They don't, a lot of members don't know the difference between you know, phase one, phase two, phase three. And depending on where you are, you may not need to. I mean, you're an operator or, or you know, you're not in acquisitions. But I do think that there needs to be more education around that and more better guidance given to you know, military members on how to help these companies navigate the DOD. Because it's such a big organization, like I mentioned before, it's impossible to navigate. So the more people that know about the process, the more the higher probability of success of a company being able to find a valid user. All right. We've got tech talk questions. So our last few questions that are just, you know, pretty quick answers. Um, Let's go to the, tell me what inspires you now. So we know you're a Trekkie um, and I would love to know like what you're watching or reading about in the Trekkie realm, but I mean, just in general too, like what inspires you? What do you do for your your downtime, fun, or inspires you for work? So, uh, so I do enjoy the, uh, I don't know if you've, like what's all the rage now is Squid Game. I don't know if you've watched that. (laughs) I just heard about that. Really? It'll Mark, freak you out. It'll freak you out. Freak you out. Uh, I'm watching it I, now, and it's it's. Uh, I it's heard intense. about the premise, and I was like, "No, I'm <laughs> sticking with Ted Lasso." You know what? It's that not Ted awful. Lasso. It's not Ted Lasso. No. <laughs> okay, so Squid Game is your thing. The Squid, so Squid Game was it was very it was 
very stimulating. It was really, it was a great show. I really did appreciate it. It makes you really think, um, not so much about like the whole premise, but it makes you think just at the core of uh, just, it makes you think about how people really think through things. When you're in a tough situation, I think a lot of people think they're always going to make the best decisions. But when um, rubber meets the road, you know, that you may not always make the best decisions. And does that make you a bad person? Like, and overall, those are the questions that kind of come up. And what I've been doing a lot lately, especially in my job, is think about people, um, what motivates people, what drives people, uh, that even though I have this tech background, I have spent the majority of my time just reading about how to best communicate with people. And thinking uh, just whenever I'm watching things like that, I just always think about, uh, I think, I think to that whole like motivation piece, like how do you better um, work with others? Uh, and it's not like completely related <laughs> in any sense from a context standpoint, but I think, um, yeah, that has been something that I've been uh, watching. That's been fun. Uh, but then on like the tech side, I've you know, been reading like the Phoenix project. Mm-hmm. Um, this is things around like um, DevOps um, software. So, I think we know what your Halloween costume is going to be this year. You're going to be dressed up as. <laughs> I'm going to have a mask. Game. Yeah, exactly. Have a mask with a circle. If you could wave your technological magic wand, what your would you list. make it be? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think I would. I mean, I think it would be great to have AI robot helpers that you can. Don't. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be great to have that capable, that ability of her own Mr. Data. I would have a Ted Lasso version of Data. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then oh, I think biotech is also a really, really interesting field that I would love to see like leaps in um, to be able to like identify and be able to find bad cells and be able to target those. You know, those are also, I don't know where, like the whole biotech field, yeah. I think is like mm. something that is just waiting to just to have its next big, big jump. All right. Well, awesome. Thank one. you. Thank you, Jasmine, so much for joining us today. Fun conversation. <laughs> thank you. Yes, and thank you, Jasmine. And thanks to our listeners. So please um, visit the show notes for links to, you know, everything we've talked about today. Share this episode with your friends, smash that like button, and we will talk to you next week on Tech Transforms. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.